This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 170, Submission 2053. It had a pinball machine. Hey, if it's good enough for Bowie Williams, it's good enough for YouTube. Yep. I guess we'll put that theory to work. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Anywho, that was a favorite table of mine uh, going to college in Chapel Hill. Party Zone. Oh, Party Zone. I love Party Zone. But you know what I also love? What'd you love? Pinball in general. Yeah? Oh, yeah. It's like every spare moment I had in college you can find me at the Union playing pinball my favorite table there was Breakshot and they have this uh, new arcade this barcade uh, stop button I'm hoping that opens up soon it probably is but one of my couple of my favorite tables Police Force and they also got and you know what let's just lead off the television pinball machines with Doctor Who. Oh, oh yes. 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 Yes, Doctor Who pinball, one of the legendary tables. It came out uh, in 1992 by Bally, and it has basically the Doctor Who as it was fondly remembered in 1992, which means you're going to see really crude drawings, well, crude enough, of, I want to say, the latest five Doctors up to that point. So that would be... No, no, they had all seven Doctors. All seven were on. No, they all had, they had all seven in the game, but in the backlight, you only saw, like, the previous five. Like, you saw yeah, Sylvester right McCoy, Colin Baker, Davison. Uh, Peter Davison... Tom, Tom Baker, Baker, Pertwee, and John Pertwee. Yeah, Greg and Post. I don't know. Maybe Chico had a different version of Doctor Who that he played, but the version of Doctor Who I'm watching in a YouTube video right now on Papa Pinball, which I'm going to include in the description in the episode, has all seven Doctors in the backlight. So maybe it was a different glass or light or whatever. But there you go. So a bunch of Daleks. And Davros. Yeah. And the Master. The Master's like on the bottom of the play field. The Anthony Enoly Master's on there. And just some of the most awesome art. Like that TARDIS that pops up in the middle. And then in the middle you have sort of like... There's like these dual modules that you gotta trap the balls in. It was really something. It really is an amazing game. Yeah, and like I said, stop button over in Hope Mills has it. I know the Pinball Hall of Fame in Las Vegas has it. 
It's been a while since I've been there. And holy crap, I forgot about the back box. There's a Dalek head on top in, on top of the back box. Oh, and the, one of the best things is, Mike, you know this. They have this little thing where, where the Daleks are. It's kind of like there's this thing in the top of the pinball machine, which is kind of like Pinbot, if you've ever played it, where you have to hit the ball on the five rows to unlock. Was it multi-ball, I think? No, no, the the, the, the five. Do you mean the five columns? The, yeah, the five columns of dots. Yeah, yeah. If you hit the five columns of dots, that's what raises the uh, the, the area where, uh, like Chico mentioned, you have to hit the two balls in. Uh, well, not two balls. Well, yeah, two balls into two different slots. Yeah, and this is such a complicated process that no joke, this can actually chop your finger off. I'm not kidding. They actually warn it in the pinball machine when you open the glass. Wow. That's crazy. I, I can believe it. And you know what the interesting thing is? Because all of these can be found. Well, some of them can be found. The best ones can be found on Pinball Arcade. Yeah. They actually did an update of the Doctor Who table to focus yes. on, the, on the current day to focus on the current era with uh, all of the doctors up to Peter Capaldi who did a voice for this and Michelle Gomez as Missy and the updated version plays just like the original but it doesn't have like the classic sort of boards and fields and whatnot yeah it's kind of yeah it's kind of like eh. yeah i didn't spend money to get that uh updated version on pinball arcade you know i got it because i kick-started the classic doctor who table for it well but also i think one thing that we need to mention is this is again 1992 which really is sort of like the new era of pinball machines like the start of it yes and this game like other games around this time, and actually like many games since then, had a video mode. Yes, because there's a video mode where you have to have the doctors avoid the Daleks' ray. Yeah. And you have to it, use it, the it, flippers it, to jump over. Right. And you, you get like a regular jump by hitting one flipper, but if you do it simultaneously, you get a longer jump. And you need to be a little judicious and pay attention to what's ahead in order to time it out properly. But if you right. play it often enough, it, you almost uh, it's almost like muscle memory. You know what's coming up. You know wh what uh, whether you need one uh, flipper or two uh, at certain times. Yep. But, oh, that that is among my favorite games. That's a great way to start this show. And it's a classic. It really is. Greg, would you like to share a table, a oh. favorite table? Well, staying in that era, Mike, you mentioned, of 92-93, let's go with one of the legendary pinball tables of all time. I'm talking about the Twilight Zone. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And this is the follow-up table to the Adams family from one of the legendary designers in pinball history, Pat Lawler. And if you don't know who Pat Lawler is, well... I mean, we're not going to say what podcast you listen to because you're probably not familiar with pinball. But Pat Lawler is like one of the most legendary names in pinball. He's well known for like his crazy designs and his crazy tables and his crazy gimmicks. 
and the Adams family was like the top selling pinball machine of all time because it had a whole bunch of crazy gimmicks. Mm-hmm. And the Twilight Zone is no exception. And also, it is really one of the most expensive machines out there. About 10 years ago, I was looking for a pinball machine for my basement, and I went to an auction. It was a, not an online auction. It was actually a tangible auction on a Saturday morning. One and of those they had King's auctions? Kind of, sort of. Well, it, it wasn't like Auction Kings in the sense that it was at their own place. It was actually being held at what used to be a Coconuts Records back in the 80s. And obviously records, <laughs> we'll have to give you a, a history lesson on what records are. Right? No, no, people still use them. But uh, the, the point being, they had all sorts of arcade machines and pinball machines. And they must have had like four different Twilight Zone machines. And I think the least expensive one of them went for was like $5,500. Wow. Wow. And I can only imagine what they go for today. But uh, Twilight Zone is like consistently rated wherever you look. One of the best pinball machines ever. I've played it. I'm not a fan of it. And not necessarily because I don't like the Twilight Zone, but I I had difficulties with it. Maybe because it's it's the first time playing it, but it is beloved among pinball players. And some of the gimmicks in this pinball machine you have a working gumball machine which holds three balls and can dispense them or receive others during play. You have a working 12-hour analog clock that can display the current time and function as a timer during certain rounds. The power ball, which is a white ceramic ball, which is lighter than the other steel balls in the machine and unaffected by the magnets. Oh, yeah, there's magnets in the play field because there's something called the power field. A triangular mini play field whose underside contains magnets that propel the ball. That was sort of also a thing in the Adams family too. The power. Oh yeah, yeah with uh, with thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In addition to adapting the music from the TV show, the game's main background music is an interpretation of the 1982 song "Twilight Zone" by Golden Earring. And also, do you know who does the voice of Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone pinball machine? Maurice LaMarche, I don't know. No, but this is a legendary name. Tim Kitzrow. And who would you know Tim Kitzrow best as? He's the voiceover guy in NBA Jam. Kaboom! Oh, that's great. That's great. Oh, yeah. And also you have like stuff like you have Town Square Madness, which is a timed mode in which all the targets on the playfield increase a point total by a set amount where the pop bumpers in the town square increase the value for each target, and it causes the townspeople to panic. And also you have a fast lock, which is where an AM radio will play clips from Pat Walter's previous pinball games, which count down a jackpot value as its frequency. And the game's reference include Adam's Family, Funhouse, Whirlwind, Earthshaker and Bunzai Run. All those are classics. And you got the camera, which lights the camera twice accessible by raising the upper left flipper and shooting a ball into a sinkhole behind it. Doing so will yield one of eight awards, which is either 20 million points, light outlanes, clock 10 millions, clock bonus, three times town square, hold town square, 10 hitchhikers, and greed targets. And you also you have a hitchhiker mode, which awards 2 million points for each hitchhiker the player picks up. 
in the game and another two million for every additional pickup earned until the end of your current ball. So there's a lot of references on the table to various episodes of the Twilight Zone. And it is I mean, if you're a fan of the Twilight Zone, and even if you're not a fan of the Twilight Zone, you're gonna enjoy this table. I know Mike might have maybe because it didn't like it because maybe it was he was nerves too hard or anything, but I played it in TPA plenty of times and I enjoy this table very much. And I remember playing this table as a kid too back in the day, and I liked it. So, and also Tim Kitzrow is Rod Sterling. Come on, I think I actually have that for TPA, and I just don't play it that often. I think I need to revisit that. Give it a second chance. Oh yeah, Saint Peter would be very proud, Mike. Oh God, what is that? How many? Oh gosh, I I, I think that's the second week we've made a reference to second chance that version i can't <laughs> believe we didn't make a reference to second chance last episode considering courtney cox was in it for obvious reasons yeah understandable well i'm gonna start by mentioning a game i mentioned a number of weeks ago not too long ago roller games rock rock, rock and roller rock games. And roller games and oh my gosh despite being a very short-lived show this pinball, they made a pinball machine first off after, you know, they did 13 episodes. Apparently that was enough for a pinball machine, but oh my gosh, it is a great pinball machine. D- don't uh, judge a book by its cover. It's got uh, uh, the theme song that we mentioned earlier, the rock, rock, rock and roller games. And oh, it is just absolutely amazing. And again, getting to uh, the magnets that they're, uh, one of the features uh, in this game was what's called a deep freeze magna flip, which uh, whenever it was lit magnetically freezes the ball next to the upright flipper. So you can get like the optimal shot. Nice. And that optimal shot is for the big feature in this game, the wall go for the wall. Cause obviously. Yeah, yeah, that was the, the, the big draw to this game was, was the wall and uh, going up the ramp for the wall. But also, very uh, interesting about this game, there was a ton of advertising on the Translite, the back glass. Oh, yeah, and on the playfield, too. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. You had Pepsi, you had Thermos on there. Thermos! A Thermos, yeah, Thermos. Thermos had an advertisement on here. Here's a blast from the past. Orange Slice is on here. Oh, Orange Slice Soda. Yeah, the competitor to Orange Crush back in the day. Oh, and I mentioned this in the Roller Games episode. I nearly bought this game like four years ago, but Seller was a bit of a jerk and Mm -hmm. it fell through. He Mm -hmm. never got back to me. Some other product endorsements or placements on the Translite. Mug root beer. Oh, mug root beer. Which would which will also be in line with Pepsi. Which would be in line with Pepsi and Slice, absolutely. Game Pro Magazine. Game Pro Magazine, yes. Oh, yeah. G- Game Pro Magazine. There, there's a blast. And e- an even bigger blast from back about that time, Share Data. Wow. Wow. Made that com- company. Made computer games, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But also, if you remember on the Roller Games TV show... They had Bally Williams banners during the games with Midway, if you remember. Huh. 
I do. And also, they had a giant TurboGrafx-16 banner, too. Which was basically peak early 90s. Yeah, basically late 80s, early now, 90s. Now, wait, Greg. They had Bally's banners on roller games? Yeah. Where did Roller Games reruns air last year? Oh, Fox Sports. They aired Sports. on Fox Sports? Uh-huh. Yeah, but what happened to all the regional networks? They're now Bally's. They are all Bally's. Interesting. Hmm. Maybe, for, think about. maybe something for a potential reboot. Maybe. Hint David Sims, if you're I, I, listening. I possibly. Well, that wasn't what I was insinuating, but okay. Perhaps. But oh. yeah, it all comes full circle, I guess. But yeah, that, that is one of the truly fun games. And I remember from my childhood and... I think it was one of the loudest games. I think they purposely set the volume as loud oh, as they yeah. could because it just had a kicking soundtrack. It, it was just a, an amazing game. It was. I'll tell you one game that I played in my childhood was The Simpsons, the Data East table. And this was perhaps one of the best, if not the best performer of 1990, 1991. And it just had, it was basically centered around, the centerpiece were the three jet bumpers in the middle, which were shaped like the Springfield nuclear power plant towers. Yes. And then you had the ramp, which goes into the uh, power plant, and then the ramp that goes all the way back down to the uh, flippers. And you shoot for those ramps. Uh, to get the million bonus, obviously. And aside from that, it was just, you know, bumpers and targets and nothing really, you know, out of this world for 1991 pinball. But hot on the heels of The Simpsons, you know, coming into the pop culture zeitgeist, this did really, really well. So well, in fact, that when Data East pinball was folded into stern pinball they revisited the simpsons pinball license and released two more tables the first one the better of the two i should say was the simpsons pinball party of 2003 which was just one of the best if not the best tables of 2003 and the Simpsons Kooky Carnival in 2004. I'm guessing that's a redemption machine. The Simpsons Kooky Carnival. It doesn't look like any pinball I've seen. But then again, yeah, it was sort of a video pinball. Yeah. Probably... It was a redemption game, but it used some of the playfield parts and circuit boards. So, For yeah. those of you who don't know where a redemption machine is, it's mainly those things where you get, like, tickets. Go yeah. to Dave and Buster's. Yep. No, I mean, that's really what it is. Just go to Dave and Buster's. They got plenty of them. I'm sure you can get a lovely finger trap with them. Or a branded Dave and Buster set of cards. I still have mine. Hey, you could play yeah, your a own... giant set of playing cards. Yeah. You could play your own version of Card Sharks or Gambit with those. But it's yeah. Vegas Gambit show. But yeah, you thought that the Simpsons, the original Simpsons game was pretty good. The Simpsons pinball party basically took it all up a level. Because the Simpsons pinball machine, the original one from the 80s, is basically a season one 
off the yeah. heels of that. And Pinball Party's like a decade after. Yeah, you have the entire encompassing universe. You have the Toy Tower bumpers. You have Homer's head in the uh, skill shot. And one of the Jets is actually comic book guy. Worst bumper ever. Ah. You took it out of my mouth. <laughs> Worst bumper Jets ever. And of course, while the original Simpsons game had your standard sort of yellow eight light a character display, this had the uh, full dot matrix display. The DMD, yes. Yes. So, yeah, the show itself was better. The technology, the pinball technology became better. And this just reflected both of that. Oh, yes. So it's really good stuff. Okay. Want to well, check Mike, it out. Yeah, check it out. Mike, what do you have for your second table? My second table, this is one from my childhood. Uh, my teenagers, I shouldn't say my childhood. Back in 1989, there was an ABC Monday Night Football pinball machine. Oh! Oh, yeah. Celebrating the show's 20th anniversary, because that would have been in 1990. And the game itself, it was a Data East game. The game itself was not terribly impressive, I don't think. But it had your usual stuff that you'd see in a pinball machine. It had your skill shots. And obviously, it had uh, jet bumpers. And and it had a a football theme. The, The theme was obviously get down the field, score a touchdown. But the big thing I remember is when you get the touchdown, this ramp, not that big of a ramp. I'd say it's probably about eh, maybe about four inches long by maybe about two inches wide, maybe even a little bit bigger than that. It would elevate from the middle of the play field. It, It would stay flat during normal play. But once you scored a touchdown, it would elevate and form a ramp and you'd get the extra point by shooting the pinball up the ramp and through the goalposts, which itself is a, a, another ramp, which I thought was very clever for the day. That was another one that back in the day at, at the same arcade I mentioned earlier that had roller games, they'd be playing that Monday night football at like full volume. And also it had voiceover from Frank Gifford. It, well, not just did it have voiceover from Frank Gifford, but if you look at the main box of the uh, of the, uh, the machine, uh, where the scoreboard is and the translate, uh, where the speakers are, you can actually see a caricature of Dan Deerdorf and Frank Gifford and Al Michaels. Yes. And in fact, I believe this pinball machine was inspired by the opening in 1988 from Monday Night Football, which used the pinball theme. Yes. And in fact, I have. Yes. In fact, we'll play that theme for you and the open right here. Now, this is all practical graphics. This is no, uh, no real machine. No computer. I mean, I mean, this is all a practical prop. There's no CG here. No. Hot bumpers. Video clips. Obviously, wouldn't be a thing until like much later. Tonight's matchup. 
Raiders Seahawks. Actually, hold on, Mike. I, I have something to say after this. Finishes. And whip it. Touchdown. And now he's... Oh, oh, we missed the best part, which is the uh, thing that goes over the thing. But whatever. I'll send you the whole thing after. But yeah, I was going to say, tonight's matchup, Raiders-Seahawks. I think that's the famous game where Bo Jackson ran over the Boz. Oh, I'm ran, sure. And I'm ran sure. into the tunnel at the Kingdom. Yeah. Oh, that that's painful. And actually, if you saw that open... Uh, there's an animation on the, the, the head box or whatever you want to call it, the, again, where, where the translate is, of Dan Deerdorf and Al Michaels and, uh, and Frank Gifford. That was the animation, or not that was the animation, that was the image, the, the caricature that was used in the pinball machine, in, in the actual machine. And also the opening we're going to include in the liner notes in the episode of the podcast for you on Podbean for you to click on that thing so you can watch the whole intro. It's great. And also use the ABC Sports uh, I Wandered by a Brookside theme music, which was their all-encompassing sports theme throughout, I think, around 88 to 90, I think. Because they use that theme a lot, even in the latter portion of their MLB contract. It was a game I fondly remember. Same here. Same yeah, here. Monday, Monday Night Football Pinball Machine Classic. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with a recent table from Sturm, which is not necessarily TV themed, but it it kind of sort of is. And that is the Sturm table on the Beatles. Oh, yes. Oh, the, the, the new Stern tables, if you have not played them, and we're talking about like the last five years or so, find one. They are amazing. Yeah. And the game is basically themed around a couple of things. Primarily, their iconic American debut performance on the Ed Sullivan show. And they have video clips from the episode with Ed Sullivan introducing them and them on stage playing their songs like A Hard Day's Night, Can't Buy Me Love and all that. Oh, just great. And it includes footage from their Shea Stadium concert in 1965. And includes, this is so great, it includes custom speech calls from legendary New York radio DJ, Cousin Brucie. Oh, that's cool. Cousin Brucie, CBS Well, yeah, and especially at this time, he would have been at WABC, so. Oh, my mistake. Well, WABC, of course, was, like, legendary in helping the Beatles' success early in America. I mean, it was the rock station in the country at that time. W.A. Beatles C, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you have nine songs in the game. You have A Hard Day's Night, Can't Buy Me Love, Ticket to Ride, All My Loving, Help, Drive My Car, It Won't Be Long, I Should Have Known Better, and Tax Man. And it has three different editions, because as you know, Stern has like the special editions of the games. They have like a gold edition, a platinum edition, and a diamond edition which is mainly like, what, cosmetic differences in the game? And price differences, to say the least. Yeah. And it's a very retro-themed table. I played it because there was a place at the Bayshore Mall, which I'm going to recommend, called High Score Pinball Arcade. And I, 
It opened like relatively recently in the last month or two, and they have this table, the Beatles pinball machine, and it plays exactly like a pinball machine from the 1960s. It's hard to describe, but when you play the table, it feels like you're playing an actual table from the 1960s, except you have like all the modern features like the video and all that. It's just amazing. And the sound quality. It's just incredible. And of course, the cool part is on the uh, video DMD, you have like the scoreboard is basically modeled after the old scoreboard reels of the 1950s and 60s. That's nice. Stern does a great job with their new machines. Chico and I have played them out in Vegas or seen Uh people play them in Vegas and they're worth the price of admission, whether it's a dollar to play or $2 to play they're works of art and they're absolutely amazing. Yep. They are. They're incredible. Plus some of them are modded for the uh, color displays, which makes them look even better. Oh, they're amazing. They are incredibly amazing. Now I'm going to let Chico go next, but I just wanted to throw out uh, a name. I'm not going to mention it or, or talk about it, but there was a Batman 66 game done by Stern in a very similar manner, which is absolutely mind-blowing. That's not going to be my third contribution to this, but I wanted to throw that as sort of a, uh, an honorable mention since we talked about uh, a newer Stern pinball machine. Yeah. Well, going to go back to Williams for a second. And 1993, where you have, at least from where I'm sitting... The greatest pinball ever created. Uh, part of Williams' Super Pin series alongside the Twilight Zone and Indiana Jones. It is Star Trek The Next Generation. Hold up, Chico. Are you only saying this because you went to college with one of the kid the kid of one of the people in this pinball machine? No, I am not that shameless. Okay. okay. Oh, wait, hold on. Since we need a match game Hollywood Squares reference every episode, yes. did you see that the person that you're referencing was on Match Game Hollywood Squares this past week? Yes, he yes. was. Yes, he was. Hey, did you know I went to college with this kid? I did not know that till oh, now. I did not know that. Hey, well, I'll let you in on something. Did you know, guys, that I love wings? Wings didn't have a pinball. Oh, I wish it did, though. It should have. It should have. It should have. Of course, there would be like a bonus mode where you'd accidentally break Lol's blimp. Oh. That's, the, that's the video mode. That's, Absolutely. Yeah, that's the video mode. And frankly, that's the recreation of the time when Tony Shalhoub's career was made. Oh, I would buy like five copies of that machine if that was ever made. That yeah. That's great. But yeah, this was supposed to be an under siege pinball based on the film but they rethemed it as soon as they got the license they rethemed it to star trek they included the uh, voice tracks of the entire cast and it's just this one giant mission after another after another until you reach the final frontier you got the alpha quadrant and beta quadrant ramps the rollover lanes for the bonus, obviously. The holodeck, you could either take 25 million points or play the video mode shuttle cavern. 
You have to go through the caverns in a shuttle, picking up 10 million point cards while avoiding mines and cavern walls. Somewhere is an extra ball. Pick that up. Guess what you get? Another 25 million points. No, you get the extra ball. And, of course, one of the missions is Q's challenge, where it basically is Q taunting you. Oh, it there's is. A, there's a tiny target. You have to hit the target and then hit another target. And each target you hit is another 10 million points. And then there's, like, let's see, we have a Time Rift, Wormhole, Search the Galaxy, Battle Simulation, Rescue, Asteroid Threat, and once you've completed all of those, you go to Wizard Mode, The Final Frontier, and which I believe features the Borg Multiball. Yes. And the best part is you have Captain Picard saying, all hands prepare for multi-ball. That's my favorite part of the game. All hands prepare. Patty got Patrick Stewart to actually say, all hands prepare for multi-ball. Captain's log, supplemental. The crew performed admirably in dispatching the Borg threat. That's basically what he says if you complete the triple jackpot during the multi-ball. And it is just an amazing field. I can't yeah, it's a little older than pinballs that we've played since, but it's a really solid table. Yeah. And the, my favorite part of the game is when Data says something and you press the flippers. Both flippers at the same time. Both flippers at the same time. You have Captain Picard say, thank you, Mr. Data. And you get 10 million points for shutting Data up. Really good stuff there. So, Mike, you got another one for us? Uh, I got another one, and it's actually one I have a ton of experience with because I actually own this game. Oh, really now? Yes. Back in 2006, uh, well, if we go back a few years uh, besides 2006, if we go back to like 2003, one of the big things on TV was poker. Uh And uh, shortly after the big poker craze, once uh, Chris Moneymaker literally came from like nowhere just as a normal person like you or me and won the world series of poker suddenly everybody was playing poker and uh following that right around that time 2003 2004 a series which is still on the air world poker tour started on what used to be the travel channel and has bounced around to a number of places uh it's been on game show network and uh, now it's on Fox uh, Sports or Bally Sports, your, your regional networks. And they released a machine in 2006. And uh, I happened to purchase it uh, four years ago, 2017, when I redid my basement. And uh, just want to throw in there how authentic it is in terms of the commentary. Uh, you had commentary from Vince Van Patten. And Mike Sexton, RIP, we we lost him uh, last year. Yeah. Yeah. And the game really played like a poker machine, if you will. And what the object was, was to go to different ports of call or different destinations and win poker tournaments with the best hand. I mean, you only played one hand at a time. But the thing is, if you uh, had the best hand uh, at wherever place you go to, or if you actually completed the hand, you would advance to the next place. 
And uh, just off the top of my head, there was like Paris and Bahamas and I think Hawaii was a place too. There are like five or six or seven different places in the game that you got to go to. But among the things, among the commentary that I thought were, was really clever, really funny, you'd be digitally given two cards, just like uh, if you're playing poker on the World Poker Tour, uh, and you'd see what they are. And if you had like, for example, two aces, they'd say that you've got bullets, they give it its formal nickname. And if you had like 10-4, they might call that, I think, good buddy because, you know, 10-4, good buddy, you know, a little CB lingo for you. And one that's maybe a bit of an Easter egg. I mean, they did this for many different hand combinations. They did like a pair of fours as sailboats and a pair of eights as snowmen and a pair of jacks is fish hooks because they look like fish hooks. But the one that really made me laugh is if you get dealt 6-9 offsuit. Nice. No, they don't say that. Well. They just call it a dinner for two. <laughs> Use your imagination. <laughs> yeah, so, I... so the, the, the first time I got that, that was like, okay, I did not expect that. And I thought that was absolutely clever. G -g nice little, I don't necessarily want to call it an Easter egg, but also at the same time, that's not something I ever heard on the World Poker Tour. I, I, I don't think they could get away with that uh, on Game Show Network or Travel Channel back in the day, uh, no. or even you know the Bally Networks we're talking about now. So not even. No, no, they they couldn't get away with that. So th that was a, a nice little Easter egg for us adults. But yeah, just the idea is uh, building hands by going up different ramps or playing a mini playfield, uh, which is on the uh, second level of the the back of the machine. And uh, just, again, building poker hands, it's all random. I mean, there, there's no way you know what you're going to get. But again, just like Texas Hold'em Poker, the best hand made out of using five cards out of your seven-card hand, that's what you're given. Yes. And uh, I've gotten, like, to the third or fourth destination in the game. But like I said, I think there's, like, a good five or six or seven before you're like the grand champion or whatever they terminology they give you. I haven't played the machine sadly in about two or three years. And I think at this point, it definitely needs a little bit of TLC in terms of fixing up some electronics and maybe a good waxing. But uh, yeah, people, some people are like, Oh, this is a horrible game. Don't buy it. Don't judge a book by its cover. I find it very entertaining and it, it's a nice part of my basement, uh, at least when I used it before uh, my little surgery happened. Yeah, a couple of interesting things about this. The table itself was designed by uh, one of the greats. He did the uh, Star Trek the TNG table that I talked about, but one of the greats of pinball, legendary name. Steve. Richie. Oh, yes. Yeah. The one thing that I'm sort of put off here, because this is a 2006 table. Yeah. You have these rather accurate portraits of Mike Sexton and Vince Van Patten. But then you have this sort of creepy looking portrait of Courtney Friel in the middle. Oh, yeah. Well, you had to include the hostess in some capacity. I know you had to include the hostess, but it doesn't look right, I don't think. 
I mean, I'm looking through these sales materials, and they have the pictures of Courtney Friel, who would have been the host in 2006, replacing Shauna Hyatt. But, uh, yeah, that portrait just doesn't look right, I don't think. No. Yeah, your mileage may vary on that. Yeah, right? Okay, so my next pinball table is a classic from Gottlieb in 1994. I'm talking about a little show on CBS called Rescue 911. Oh yes, yes, oh, buddy. All right, so I'm gonna shit. I was wait. I was waiting for somebody to bring this up. Oh, it's a glorious table. It's basically a lot of people complain that it's basically a simplified table, but you know what? I think that's part of the charm of the machine right here. It's not that simplified, I don't no, think. No, it does have, like, a whole lot of moving bits to it, so. Oh, yeah. You got the, now, you got the magnetic helicopter in the middle doing the rescue missions, getting the ball from one end of the table to the other. Oh, yeah, that's the best part. Oh, the best part is You got, you got is the flashing siren. You have the video mode. You have the fire along the side. This is a really... Dis- well-designed table for 1990. Yeah, but you know the one thing that's missing? What's, What's missing? That? Shatner. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because oh, they yeah. didn't get the rights for Shatner in the game. So if they got the right to use the Rescue 911 title, they did not get the rights to Shatner. So it could be, well, anybody. And actually, according to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, at one stage of development, the four stand-up targets, you know what they spelled? Trek. Oh. oh, I was hoping you were going to say Shat, but th- th- that's just as good. No. That would have been just as good. It really would have been. But actually, there is a fun reference in the game, because they have, like, whenever you hit a mission in the game, you have, like, a simulator of the phone going, did, 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 and there's an operator on the line, and the person saying, oh, we have this at blah, 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 wherever, at this, please hurry. Actually, one of the uh, blocks in the game that one of the callers to the 911 operator says, I think either Shapiro Way or Shapiro Avenue, which is a yeah. reference to Arnold Shapiro. Yes. Oh, oh hey. nice. Yeah. Who, who created the show and would go on to uh, produce the entire series. And this was before he uh, was signed on for the uh, Big Brother season, Big Brother season two and after. Yes, but yeah, this is a great table. It it's really a lot is. of fun, and actually, considering this is a Gottlieb table, you can still play this in the pinball arcade right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've got it for TPA, yes. Yep. And oh, can I tell you something? I like what? what, you know, there are some, you want to talk about an Easter egg, you know it's what they call the uh, saver mode? What do they call it? The Jaws of Life. Yes, they do. They call it the Jaws of Life. That's so awesome. So that's a real interesting thing. Yeah. Oh, and also, if you happen to get the uh, At Games Legends pinball machine, which recently came out, they have the Farsight Gottlieb tables from TPA when you get the machine. Rescue 911 is one of them. Very nice. Yeah. Now, we've been mentioning a lot about TPA and other sorts of pinball paraphernalia, but if you don't have TPA, there's still, like, a whole block of television-based pinball 
virtual pinball. And it's called Balls of Glory from Zen Studios. And what they did was they took four box series, four box animation domination series, obviously not The Simpsons because Stern still owns that, and they blocked it off and sold them as a package deal. Theoretically, they run off the same engine, they have all the same physics, but you have tables based on Family Guy, American Dad, Bob's Burgers, and Archer. I have the Archer table. I play the hell out of the Archer table. Well, I have all four tables, actually. And the one that I play the most is actually Bob's Burgers. But Archer, the Archer table is really fun, though. And I like the American Dad table because it has a lot of the Easter eggs that you would know about if you watched the series, including the Golden Turd. Which we will talk about on the future. Oh, the saga of the Golden Turd. Oh, yes. But yeah, I mean, all you need is a device. I have my copy of uh, those machines on uh, my iPad. I'm going to assume they're available for Android, too. But it's not a terribly expensive download, and it's well worth the money, especially if you're fans of those shows. And especially if it's like on sale on the PS4, the Xbox One, or the Switch, or Steam, or whatever. It's very worth getting. Yeah. Okay, and that pretty much does it for this sort of introspective. I want to say that there is more pinball to be discovered out there, certainly more tables to play. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I I mean, I've got two or three tables on my mind that I could talk about. Uh, There was the Wheel of Fortune game from, again, about 2006-ish. I mentioned Batman 66 earlier. There's a Munsters table also by Stern uh, in the last like five years or so. There are many other machines we could talk about. Yeah. But actually, you know, don't don't close the vault yet, Chico, because I I have one more thing to add. What's that? What is it? It's sexy sex time. Oh. Woohoo! So if you paid attention, and I know both of you did, you heard me mention that I have a World Poker Tour pinball machine. Guess what you're bidding on? What is it? The the World Poker Tour pinball machine? How much I paid for it four years ago. How much you paid for the World Poker Tour pinball machine four years ago. In in 2017, uh, there's no sort of sales tax. It was between two... Uh, independent parties I, I didn't buy it from a business and we're t- just covering the machine itself not how much it costs to, to ship it to the house and and set it up just how much did i pay for the machine and it was in dollars so there's no dollars and cents and i'm gonna start with greg huh well let's see oh you got me in a bind here since I'm gonna make the, I'm gonna say about twenty four fifty. Twenty four fifty, okay, Chico. I'm gonna say thirty five hundred. Okay, 
Boy, one of you, when you said the number, I thought you were going to say it on the nose. The amount I paid for it was $27.50. Oh, I was off by about $300. So $300. When you ended it with $50, I, 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 just in the back of my head, it's like, oh, you should have added $300 to it. You would have had it right on the nose. But yeah, $27.50 and... I can tell you that pinball machines uh, over the last like three, four years, they have really gone up in value uh, in terms of price. I did a little bit of searching. I'm not going to make an eBay prices right out of this, but taking a look, I saw one refurbished. And also I should say that my machine is in really good shape. There's very few cosmetic issues. A couple of lights are dead. Like I said, it could use a little bit of TLC, a little bit of rewiring, make sure everything is, is functional. Yeah, just like a little checkup, but a, a fully refurbished model, presumably 100% working, is on eBay right now for $7,500. And actually, if you look at some of these newer machines, like some of the stir machines that Greg mentioned earlier, those easily go for five digits. Those are easily 10000 on the low end. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're intricate pieces of machinery with a lot of technology and... The thing is, if you're a business owner, yeah, how much do you have to uh, make in terms of money every day to, to break even? If you think about it, it's like $30 a day. And when it costs a dollar or two to play, that's going to rack up really fast. I'd say so, yes. Yeah. So... So that's it, I think, for the pinball show. And there's so much stuff in this episode we didn't cover that we have to do a volume two at some point. So yeah, just okay, be on the lookout. Yeah, yeah, that may be something uh, to look for later this year or early next year. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I think it's like I said, time to close the vault. And don't forget uh, about our website. Uh, it was a thing on TV.com. Everything we've done there, we're like approaching 200 total episodes now that includes everything the, the weekly shows the live shows the uh, remastered shows we're right on the cusp of 200 if we haven't already surpassed 200 this is the 200th piece of content that we put on our podbean feed so mike was sort of right on the nose so plenty of listening and we know you're taking road trips this year covid restrictions are being removed or lowered and i know i really want to travel this year. I uh, don't know if I'll be able to, but f if you're taking a long road trip or if you're taking a flight, download a number of episodes, listen to us, waste away the time. Well, not necessarily waste away the time, but spend the time efficiently. Spend, spend it in a good manner, let's say. And of course, Greg, we have a drop over at Place to Be Nation. Yes, because right. as I mentioned in the last episode, now you see it and Thunder and Paradise are up there. And also we did another drop for the live shows because obviously it couldn't have a, a drop with four episodes. That'd be just silly. So I talked to Andy Afferton and he said, you know, have the live shows drop over the weekend. So last Saturday we dropped the live shows five and six there and you will enjoy that. And man, I think we had a lot of fun with the pressure like season premiere in the cube. It was great. I, I also yep. think we had an, an immense amount of fun with thunder in paradise. 
Oh, oh God. yeah. That was probably the best episode of the podcast we've ever done. That's definitely, I'd say, in the top five. Oh, and yeah. I, and and I'm not going to say the reason why because we'll all just die laughing. Uh, and also, Sting cutting that promo with the Hulk mask—that was so incredible. <laughs> there Wasn't was so it just though? Hammerhead, Hammerhead. It was Hammerhead who did it. And of course, don't forget we're also on YouTube. That's we're right. on the YouTubes, as the kids would say. And don't forget uh, to like and subscribe. And of course, don't forget to ring the bell to, to get notifications about new uploads. Next week. Uh, oh, next week. Oh, uh, next week begins a really big June here at It Was a Thing on TV. Uh, we were waiting for when Conan O'Brien was going to, you know, place his final show. He did that. And now we're basically devoting the next two weeks to him. We've got a total of five episodes devoted to different eras in Conan O'Brien's career and specific shows that, for one reason or another, just interested us. Oh, yeah. Uh, but these two episodes we have next week. Uh, well, first, had to start somewhere. And then second of all, this second episode is a very bizarre episode. And then there's the yeah, mini-sode, it, which gets even more bizarre. Oh, yes, it does. Well, well, that's sort of the genesis of Conan O'Brien's show. It was like very weird to begin with. You weren't accustomed to that type of humor, even though he replaced Letterman, who was his own different type of humor. But then it just got like more and more absurd. And we'll talk about that absurdity next week. Again, there's going to be two regular episodes and a mini-sode, and we're not going to give away where it's going to go from there for the week after, but you're going to get your fill of Conan O'Brien for most of the rest of this month. I got two words for you. Butterfly world. You'll just have to leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, what does that mean? We'll have to take a look at that. We'll find out what that means. This will all make sense. Next time on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everyone. Wow!